Welcome to the Everyday Innovation Podcast. Get ready to download inspiration, knowledge, and resources to cultivate your inner innovator. Hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Innovation Podcast. I'm Jordan Devecha. It's been a little while since I last released a podcast, but this one, this one recording, I had to share with you all. This is actually from a Twitter space, and I just loved the content of this so much that I felt this needed to go in the podcast. So this may be my new way of releasing. There may be some that are in studio, and there's going to be some that are in spaces. I just wanted to preface, I love this topic. This is mental models and frameworks. I wish I could have gone a million miles deeper on this, but there's a whole lot that's packed into this episode. And coming up, there is a whole mental model framework that I've been working on over the last year um, that will be detailed out in a series that's going through September. You can find that on everydayinnovation.io. If you subscribe, you'll get the newsletter. You can also go on galaxy.everydayinnovation.io to join our community. And of course, follow me on all the social media. (laughs) I'm at Jordan Devecha. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy this. I have a friend that joins us to share a little bit about a coaching mental model that she loves and uses in her practice. Fabula Segovia is her name. Make sure to check the show notes, and I hope that you enjoy this recording. Hello, Twitter friends. For the purpose of this recording and to allow for a couple more people to join, I'm going to go ahead and quickly introduce myself a little bit about what mental models and frameworks are to give some context and why I'm talking about this particular topic now as it relates to everyday innovation. So my name is Jordan DeVetta, and I'm a tech founder, venture advisor, and multi-passionate creator with a platform, Everyday Innovation, made to connect creator entrepreneurs that value high-signal venture and self-development resources, connection, and strategy mixed in with a little fun. I love to create and curate timeless topics that bridge across industries, areas of life, especially in the Everyday Innovation newsletter. So covering mental models and frameworks is pretty much a no-brainer as it threads connections between brain, strategy, ventures, impact decisions, and really just our daily lives. And because mental models are really universal, because we have brains and we think as humans, we can learn from one another and share that connection. So anything that we talk about today will be featured in the next Inspiration Curation, so Innovation Inspiration Curation newsletter, which is coming out next week. So if you are listening after, you can go to everydayinnovation.io or on the circle community galaxy.everydayinnovation.io to listen to this, or you can also check out the newsletter, whether it's come out before or after. If you don't get it in your email inbox and you're listening to this a little bit later, you could actually subscribe. And then access it after the fact so you can access the full archive. What are mental models? Mental models are really how we understand the world. Not only do they shape what we think and how we understand, they shape the connections and opportunities that we see. Mental models really are how we simplify complexity, why we consider certain things over others, and how we problem solve. 
A mental model is really a representation of how something works. We can't keep all the details in our brains, right? So we use models to simplify the complex into understandable and organizable chunks. Learning to think better is a huge piece of how we can navigate the world in a more 3D, 5D, 7D kind of way. The quality of our thinking is proportional to the models in our head and the usefulness of the situation at hand. The more models you have, the bigger your toolbox, the more likely you are to have the right models to see reality. And if you can bridge that across different disciplines, if you can get curious and learn from others and their mental models, from their expertise, that's how you can make great decisions because variety does matter. Most of us are specialists. Instead of having a great lattice work of mental models, we have a few from our discipline. We see something different. I'll give you some examples. An engineer might think in systems. Psychologists might think in terms of incentives, right? Behavioral incentives. Um, biologists, evolution. And when we start putting these disciplines together in our head, we can learn a lot from one another and we can walk around a problem in a way where we can see it from all different kinds of angles. That's where a perspective shift happens. And we can also identify any blind spots we have. Those blind spots are the things really that can block innovation. I'm going to give you another example that I love. This is from an FS blog report. When a botanist looks at a forest, they may focus on the ecosystem. An environmentalist might see the impact of climate change. A forestry engineer might see the state of tree growth. A business person might see the value of the land. Nobody's wrong, but none of them are really able to describe the full scope of the forest. Being able to share this knowledge, learning the basics of other disciplines would lead to a more well-rounded understanding that would allow for better decisions about managing a forest. So really, when we're thinking of building our toolbox, sometimes that's tech, sometimes that's people in our community, and sometimes it's mental models. We look at the events of our world, we look at patterns of behavior, we look at the structure of a system. Mental models are really the why. The reason why we have this kind of structural architecture in the way that we think. And that's something that we share as humans. And that's what creates our culture. So getting a little meta to observe them and consciously choose them is like choosing your OS for your system. You're able to really look at the decisions that you're making, combine many different disciplines, ways of thinking, and approach a problem in a new way. So uh, why am I talking about this now? Basically, there is a newsletter coming up that will be covering this, but it really does highlight the foundational aspects of anything in everyday innovation, right? The way that we see the world in many different areas is the way that we approach, we innovate, we create in our unique way. So it's something that will always underlie most of the content that I create anyway. And coming up, I am working on an OS system that will work as a mental model, an architecture framework for you to design strategy within. So this is a really great introduction into some things that I'm working on, but I want to talk more about some mental models. I see in here, I have Fabiola, who is a wonderful business and life coach. I'll share some after as well. We'll go back and forth, but I really want to bring her up and have her share what she uses in her business. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited. So one of the tools that's a tool that I was trained on when I got certified as a certified professional coach, this energetic self-perception chart. And what it does, it really simplifies how we use our mind, how we see life. And so it is broken down into seven different levels and broken down into seven different ways the mind 
will go. So first, it'll be a thought. And then your thoughts going to create an emotion. And then based on that emotion, it's going to affect your results. And I love sharing this with all of my clients, whether it's through one-on-one or group, everybody who works with me, it's not an option. We go through it because it really, especially for those who are more logical or who need evidence to level up, understand like, how do I understand this new concept or how do I change this personality trait or how do I become better? A lot of times it's because we're stuck in a specific perspective. And when we see these seven different perspectives, we then see, oh, I've been playing this role. And so at the bottom of the seven levels, it's the victim mindset. And it goes down to like different types of energies. And when I say energies, I don't, ooh, like magic, let's do it. I'm talking about like actual energy that you use. Everybody uses energy. Like right now I'm using energy to hold my phone. I'm talking, you're talking, you're moving, that type of energy. And so we're creating energy all the time. And based on our thoughts and feelings, there are two different types of energies and it's either catabolic energy or anabolic energy. Now, when I first learned this, first of all, I was never a science wizard. (laughs) It was one that's like my weakness. I never did well (laughs) with science. So I didn't know these two different terms, but people who are very familiar with science, or especially if you have studied medicine, there are actually hormones that we create too as well in our body. So catabolic hormones, they basically are the deteriorating hormones and then anabolic hormones are the growth orientated hormones, which is cool because as you're understanding this, you're like, oh, really? And you Google it and you look it up and it's, that's what it is. And so catabolic hormones are going to be like adrenaline, cortisol, like those those hormones that are released when you're like, oh my God, I need to, uh, this is due tomorrow. I need to get that done. Or, oh my God, I procra- I'm procrastinating. Or, oh my God. So a lot of times we're functioning like that, but we don't realize when we're, reali- when we're releasing those types of hormones, what it does to not only our mind, but to our body and to the results we have. And I love this energetic self-perception chart because not only does it show you the first two levels are catabolic levels and then three to seven is anabolic. And so right away, as when a person sees this, they naturally just want to scale to a different level because it's not anything that's super woo. It's like very practical, very, oh, this makes sense. And this was actually created off the scale of consciousness from Dr. David Hawkins. He has passed, but he wrote so many amazing books and he was able to study how thoughts, emotions, and feelings, how they connected with our body, with kinesiology, with vibrations. Like he's the person who came up with that whole terminology. And so I always love to weave that into my programs because if you're new to the personal development space or you're new to, okay, I want to change, a lot of times you don't know these things. You didn't hear about these things growing up. And so learning about this kind of is the doorway to getting to that other side of, oh, okay, wait, this is possible for me. I I just thought it wasn't possible because 
I realized I had a limited belief. I didn't even know what that was, but now I see this and this. And so things just start to make sense. And then people from there, they can decide how they want to go. Oh, I want to become more confident or I want to become more this or more that. So it's like a guide to your consciousness. I just posted a tweet that was a reply thread to mine that actually has the little visual. If you do want to walk through it really quickly and see, just since I have a little visual there. Yeah. Yeah. So if people are listening later, they could check it out. You can walk through it just so if somebody is looking through it, sometimes it's nice to have somebody who's knowledgeable about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for posting it. So when you first see this chart, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, what? This is, how am I going to read this? (laughs) We read from top to bottom, left to right. Oh, The first thing you want to look at is the center where it says self. And you're going to read it from one to seven if you see them in the colored dots. So those are the different levels. So level one and level two, those are the catabolic energies that I mentioned. Level three, four, five, six, seven, those are the anabolic energies. And it's crazy because... It's, I don't want to say your thoughts are creating these types of hormones, but really when you're in level one or level two and you're the victim or you're angry and you're having all this adrenaline release, well, it's happening. So anyway, so level one, the core thought is the victim. So you can take, and another thing I forgot to mention, when you're looking at this chart, you can take any situation And you can take it through those different levels of consciousness and you'll put your hand on your face. Oh, I was looking at it like this and it just opens your mind. So we're going to use one example. Let's say that I text you, Jordan, and I call you and you don't answer. And then I start thinking, I don't know. I don't think Jordan cares about me. Like, maybe she's just not a good friend. And then I see you post something online. And then I'm just, like, having a pity party. And so then my feelings are going to be, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to feel, like, just a lot of, like, apathy, just not good. And then the results from that is it's lethargic. I'm just going to not be in the mood for anything, nothing. And so... In within those circles, I don't know if you can see there's the self, then there's a like a it's almost like a dark purple circle, and then it's a blue and another purple circle on the way outside. So as the circles go out, they're getting bigger and bigger because they're in, you want to imagine it at like your mind, it's like little and then it's an opening and opening. So level one is like a lot of tunnel vision, there's a lot of ego, as you can see there in the chart. There's a lot of there's no faith at all. You are pretty much like an unconscious person. You're not even, I'm not even aware that I'm saying these things and very needy, meaning I need others to fulfill me rather than me doing it for myself. And so right there, I'm just like the victim and I'm maybe telling other friends like, oh, I just don't know. She just doesn't care about me. And I'm just being the victim. And then level two is where you move from victim to conflict. So here is where the core thought would be to that example would be, oh, 
I don't know. I'm just like angry. Like, why is she doing that? I did this for her and I did that for her. And so the feeling would be anger. And so this is where I start getting angry. And then the results is where I start taking action. But then the action is going to be from like defiance. I'm like, oh, I'm going to unfollow her. I'm going to delete her on Facebook or I'm going to just not talk to her. And then level three is where you start taking responsibility. That's the core thought. And so this is where you, instead of thinking like, I'm sad or I'm mad, you start saying, okay, I'm going to take some responsibility. Maybe she's just busy with something. Maybe she's working really hard at her business. And that is like during the weekday and maybe she's, you know, doing that. Okay. And the core feeling would be forgiveness. And then action would be cooperation. So this is where I am not being like quiet with you or being angry or deleting you. I would talk to you or not come from that angry or victim mindset. And then level four is the core thought is concern. This is where I start having that perspective of concern for life where I really start to be like a humanitarian and I see that happen and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe she's just busy. Maybe I need to just give my time to X community or maybe I want to volunteer here or maybe I want to do a free masterclass to give back to the community or maybe I want to do, there's just that same level of like kind of community. And so the core feeling is compassion. So here I'm tapped into compassion. And then the results are going to be acts of service. So this is where, let's say I go actually volunteer at a local community that lights my heart up, or maybe I'm giving back in some way. I'm doing something to help the community. I'm doing something to help others. And then level five, the core thought is reconciliation. And so at this level... This is where things really started to shift. And I'm, if this situation were to happen, I wouldn't even let it get to that place of anger or sadness. I would just understand that she's an adult. She has her life. I have my life. I have things that I have to do. Oh, what do I have to do? Oh, I'm going to focus on this in my life. Oh, I'm focusing on these goals. Or, oh, I'm focusing on my own habits. Or, oh, I'm focusing on all this inner work. And so the core feeling is peace. And so at this level, I'm radiating a lot of peace. And the results are going to be a level of acceptance. So that's where I'm not going to be angry about the situation or sad Well, Jordan this. And I'm not going to bleed her or unfriend her or anything like that. I'm going to accept, oh, this is just for whatever reason. She can't respond to my text or my phone call. And there's probably a good reason for it. And I'm going to be focusing on other things in my life. And then level six, the core thought is synthesis. So this is where you really start to see things as I am one with everything. And you know what? I am one with Jordan. Has there been a time when someone has called me or texted me and I wasn't able to answer? Yeah. Okay. And my feelings are going to be at a level of joy. And at this point, the results, a lot of the results that I'm taking is from a place of wisdom. And at this level, 
this is where you start to naturally inspire everybody around you. A lot of times when people want to start working with themselves and they want to help others or they want to inspire others, the best way to inspire others is to work on yourself so that when you get to this type of level, it just naturally happens. And people are now coming to you asking, what are you doing? I've just noticed this and this about you and this and that. And then level seven, this is a level that nobody lives at all the time. If you were, then you'd be just like, I don't know, some angel or maybe Jesus. But this is a level that everybody can tap into. So the core thought is non-judgment. So this is where you tap into the thought of there's time is an illusion. Money is illusion. Isn't an illusion. Everything's an illusion. Like nothing is good or bad. It just is. It only is good or bad when I judge it. So there's no judgment here. And the feeling is absolute passion. And when you're tapped into, when you're not judging anything as bad or good or putting all these labels, this is where you tapped into the absolute passion. And when you're tapped into your absolute passion, this is where you tap into that inner creative genius. So this is how the iPhone was created. This is how all of these amazing things that came into life that wasn't here without it, without it being created, like it didn't come from the earth. This is how people tapped into that. They were able to tap into their inner genius. And then the result is they create such amazing things in life. And so I like to call this as the unicorn feels. Whenever I tap into this, it's like the unicorn. Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm so excited. I feel like throwing up like a unicorn type of feels. And it's where you just feel so good, like really good, like absolutely good. And this is something that everybody can tap into. But if we're all the way at the bottom and we're being the victim to a specific scenario, how are we going to tap into our creative genius if we are giving all of our energy to something that is so little, right? And we're not opening our minds. We're not, we're putting so much judgment and labels onto something. We're not expanding our mind. And so this is why a lot of times if somebody is constantly complaining or they're constantly upset about their life and yet they're not doing anything about it, they're just pretty much living at the level of a victim. Because they're just constantly telling others like, oh, this is happening to me. That's happening to me. And it's not to like even judge that person. It's just that maybe they don't even realize they're on like a negative loop. Sometimes people can be on these loops because maybe they learned these behaviors from their parents, their grandparents, their teachers, a best friend, a partner. And growing up, the truth is, we, our parents didn't have this, these resources. Our grandparents didn't have these resources. We didn't, we're just now getting to a place where we're really waking up to history, waking up to thought, waking up to, oh, saying that is inappropriate or, oh, yeah, joking like that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I always heard that through here, so I thought it was okay. We're now becoming just very aware. So if you are listening to this and you see this chart and you're like, oh my God, I've been here. Don't judge yourself. You have to give yourself a lot of grace because hello, you're, you've just discovered it. You didn't know this before and now that's the most important thing. And another thing that I 
hear a lot from like clients or like people whenever they discover this and like they immediately start labeling the people in their lives that are like that and the thing is when we do that we're not seeing it from a level of compassion we're not seeing we're expecting we're seeing them from a level of they need to be perfect and the truth is nobody's born perfect like we're being brought up in this world with all these rules, all these society expectations, but nobody's telling us the negative results of thinking and being this way that it's almost like mental dysfunction. And so we have to really have compassion for those people because guess what? Once upon a time, we were those people. We were those people. So unless you knew this information from the minute you were like, I don't know, born and your parents are telling you this and okay but that no one's been brought up like that so we have to have compassion for others thank you so much that's actually a really beautiful walkthrough of this model and this is why i love meta models too it may feel like a little meta at times to look through these things but the truth is that's how we have evolved as humans right like we've evolved out of this kind of need for the things that are very natural to us to survive, to to be in that victim mode, but we really were victims of predators, of other things. And we evolve over time and we start to learn more about ourselves, about the world, about each other. And as we build our big collective knowledge bank of studying life in and of itself, we get to, again, start to look at things with a little bit more detachment. When you see a lot of this, you get to see even across different types of mental models and different disciplines, you get to see, wow, okay, that's something that I've subscribed to. That's something that I've applied in my life. That's a business strategy that I've applied. Business strategies are just as much mental models as the scientific method, as math, as psychological behavioral models. All of these things are just a product of us putting together and making sense of life and the world. So what I love, so going back to yours, I have this giant collection of mental models that I have, and I just have them here also just to, to reference. But we're, what it reminded me of was little things that we have that are part of our human instincts. So we have things like tendency to overgeneralize from small samples. We have the tendency to overestimate consistency of behavior or the fundamental attribution error. So when you were saying, oh, Jordan must not like me because she didn't answer my text. Oh my gosh, she like posted something. A lot of times what we'll do in our relationships with others is we tend to apply it to their character as opposed to applying it to the situation. And for ourselves, we tend to apply much more to the situation than to our character. So what happens is a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of disconnection between us and others and ability to negatively affects the impact we have on the world when we're thinking in these sorts of ways, because we're not giving other people the grace and ourselves the grace to say that these are things that we do. These are things we do as humans when we're looking at it from a more detached, more quote unquote meta perspective, floating a little bit above, you start to see all the moving parts, you start to be a little bit more compassionate. And you also get to see this is just how the world works. It's not really personal. And the thing is, some of the time we're going to be wrong as well. There's going to be things that happen in other people's lives. They have an entire other story that for better or worse, doesn't always involve you. And it could be something 
so innocent, so completely off the wall. They wouldn't have had any sort of idea. They had their phone on do not disturb <laughs> and did not even see it. And it's the things that cause this mind drama that take away from our potential creativity, like at those higher levels and impact because we're getting stuck. But yes, I, I absolutely love this. And I'm just like even looking through and getting like nerding out on some of it too, because there are a lot of models in biology that do support a lot of the lighter, like when you're getting into these lower levels, the fight or flight mental model of how the body works and then putting kind of a mental structure around that so that we can start to understand if we understand how that works through a mental model, or is there something that I've been believing for a long time that maybe isn't completely true? One of the main things I think we see a lot is like confirmation bias, right? What a man wishes he also believes. Sometimes we believe what we choose to see. So sometimes those deeply ingrained mental habits, the energy conserving and comfortable things, look for confirmations of your long held wisdom rather than actual violations of it or actual evidence of it. And then the opposite of that is really going through a process of saying, okay, I have a hypothesis. I'm going to test it. I'm going to really make sure that this is true. Like testing limiting beliefs, for example, doesn't always have to be the scientific method. It could be testing your limiting beliefs is to root out what it actually is as opposed to just something that already feels very comfortable and true to us that may not be true. There are so many things that, <laughs> that kind of fall fall under this. I'll pass it back to Fabiola and we can continue this conversation because I think it is helpful across different areas. Do you notice that there are a lot of people who in different areas of life, like maybe are experiencing things on different levels or they're having like, how do you address them to move up through the levels other than just observation? Like what are some other practices that you've given people to not only just become more aware, but move through these different spaces? So there is an energetic self-perception assessment that people can do. And sometimes when they do that, it's, it's, it's cool because it's not a test. A lot of these Meyer Briggs or all these tests, they're, they're tests. And an assessment is just, it's almost like a snapshot of where you are currently. So if someone were to do that, we'll have, they answer very specific questions. And it's, it gives you pretty much where you're resonating at with the different levels. And then from there, and I've done this myself, it was like a requirement as I was getting certified with this. I realized that I had a lot of with my reactions with level one energy. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was resonating at a level six just for in terms of energy. And I took this back in the first time back in 2018. And mind you, I was in my late 20s and I thought it would be worse because at that point I still wasn't my self-talk and my self-expectation was low and now it's changed now I'm like oh yeah of course it was that and a lot of times what we'll do with clients is we'll have them look at the results and a lot of times it is stuff that it, they are carrying from their bag their baggage and a lot of times it's something from childhood it's something maybe they experience with a first boss and so it's something that we can work in coaching. And if it's something where I feel that it's very heavy, and when I say like heavy, that means they need to work with a therapist, we'll, I'll direct them in that direction. Let's say there was like an intense level of trauma, 
And I'm not equipped to, let's say, do EMDR therapy or so many of the different therapy modalities that are available. We'll do that. But a lot of times it's just, if it's not something that's really heavy, a lot of times it's just a shift. And clients are the ones that figure out the shift because coaches are not meant to tell you what to do. That is consulting. A coach's job is to guide you to your inner coach. And so we're pretty much like pulling out all the information from you. And once a person has that perspective or even just awareness of like, oh, I'm resonating here or or at this level, they will see, I'll ask them certain specific questions. Was there ever a time where you experienced this or that? And sometimes it'll be like, I've had a client once who said, oh yeah, my first boss told me that this and this. And so then she was able to come up with a solution of, because I always ask people, I never subscribe people medicine. (laughs) And when I say medicine, I don't mean actual medicine, but like modalities that are going to help them to shift. I always ask people, what do you think would help you remember this new way of being or what's going to help you? And she said that she was going to come up with a list and write it down and put it in her bathroom or do all these things. She started like coming up with all these things. But it was amazing because she tapped into that level seven, that creative of, oh my God, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And guess what? She knows it's going to work for her because that's what her mind is telling her. I'm, I haven't been living inside her mind all her life. And so I'm just there as a guide. And so it's really cool because I can't say that there's one way that works for most people. We're all different, right? Like we all don't like the same food. We all don't like the same music. Sometimes we go through seasons of listening to different music or activities that we want to do or even foods we want to eat. It's the same thing. Really guiding people to see, okay, that you don't want to react like this. Like what's going to help you remember to not be like that? Or what's going to help you to shift into this new perspective? And so just from there, it just then depends on the client if it's something that it just happens. It's like an easy fix. I don't even want to say fix, but easy shift. There you go. Because we don't need fixing. It's just shifting. It's just an easy shift. And then sometimes it's a little extra work. But maybe because they've been walking around with that negative programming since they were a kid. But if it was something that they learned a year ago, two years ago, or something that they can easily let go of, then boom, you're done. Yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense. And the truth is, yes, everyone is completely different. And that's why, again, when you take it to this level, you get beyond just the systems and you get to the architecture of how you approach a problem. And that's what I do believe a lot of coaches do. You allow to be put a little bit of structured architecture around the process of solving a problem, but then really the design of the strategy, the design of the systems come from the individual, because really that's the only bespoke thing we can do is create our own. And that's really the beauty of having some things in your toolbox that you can use to structure your strategy. Cause sometimes being strategic and solving your problems can be incredibly hard. And that's why we need sometimes other people and other references just to get things started. That's why even other types of systems or architectures, like even astrology or anything along the path of stoicism, like a philosophy can help give some, give a little bit of shape to the way we start to make some decisions. And then when things don't necessarily align anymore or don't resonate, you can always pivot and 
Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to keep this to just a couple more minutes and I'm going to be sharing a whole bunch more mental model resources, but I'm just going to stop with a few, uh, or close out with a few things from a couple of different areas. And then I'll be sharing definitely a whole lot more in ways that you can discover more of them. But part of the core mental models, what there's a whole bunch of them, but just to give some examples, even the idea of a thought experiment is a mental model. So these are the things, the devices and the imagination used to investigate the nature of things. If you've ever done a thought experiment, those are the fun things where you can get out of your own brain and say, what if I were that person? Or what if we did it this way? It doesn't have to actually exist in real life, which is the amazing thing about visualization is it could exist and it, you can make it exist at some point, but you can visualize different outcomes and use it in a positive way to make a decision, right? You can explore different pathways and then work from there. So thought, an actual thought experiment is a mental model. Other things like first principle thinking, the way one of the best ways to reverse engineer complicated situations and your creative possibility is to take something that is more complex and break it down into the reasoning of first principles. So the underlying ideas, the underlying facts and assumptions based on them. All the essentials that are there, you can take it and either remake it and innovate into something new, or you can just break it down to better understand it as you're learning. So that's another major one that we all use that maybe you haven't necessarily put a name to. Even relativity, the theory of relativity is a mental model from physics and chemistry. We don't necessarily think of things that we study as mental models, but that's exactly what we're doing is we're studying how to understand the world. We're studying how to understand gravity, understand thermodynamics, inertia, friction, velocity, leverage. And a lot of these things, what's really interesting is terms that we use across from things that we have mental models about in mathematics or in biology show up in marketing, right? Or in the way we communicate with one another, because they are such essential pieces to the way we experience our world that we use them in different areas. So Leverage is part of engineering, right? Give me a lever long enough and I shall move the world. It's a small amount of input force. We can make a great output force through leverage. What does that mean for physicality? That's just knowing what how you can take something and use the littlest amount to move something much larger, understanding physics. But then it's also understanding energetic output of when you're working on your business, when you're working your life and making decisions, taking something that is high value, something that could be a flow for you and creating a larger impact by being able to leverage your strengths, leverage your energy, leverage your resources. So what's really cool is as you learn from these different spaces, you can take the underlying principles and apply them to new problems. So sometimes taking something from biology, for example, just pick one out like incentives. Incentives are actually biological. All creatures respond to incentives to keep themselves alive. It's a basic insight of biology. Constant incentives will tend to cause a biological entity to have a constant behavior. So we're great examples of the incentive-driven nature of biology. And we've taken, there's somebody at some point who was saying, okay, we already have this. How can we apply this into a new space and start to leverage that for business or leverage that for community action and impact, Right. How can we mobilize a community through incentives? And it can be, of course, any of these things can be used for good, for bad, but we're not going to look at that. We're going to look from the very high bird's eye view, more the potential of taking things 
and pulling them into new spaces. This is what's so beautiful about being a little bit of a generalist or being a little bit multi-passionate is you're able to take a lot of these mental models, whether you realize it or not, you're learning it from different spaces and apply them to situations to solve problems, to help your clients. There's reasons why I've worked in many different industries because I can take some of the mental models and strategies that I've learned or systems that I've learned in this space and apply it over here. And sometimes when you're very hyper-focused, you can get really deep in on the mental models and the systems and strategies and structures that are in your space. But if you're not taking some time to extend an arm out into these other areas, you may have a blind spot in potentially solving a new type of problem or innovating in a way where you can make a larger impact on your industry. That's why people take a lot of cooking metaphors, farming metaphors, and use a lot of the systems and mental models from those spaces to apply to their business or apply to the way they make a decision about their parenting, for example. Other things, millions of other ways that we can look at this, algorithms, the algorithms that we get frustrated at every single day really are just a blueprint, a series of steps resulting in a desired outcome. Lots of if-then statements. They're known for modern computing, but they're in biological life as well. Human DNA is an algorithm for building a human being. We have an algorithm in our brain, the RAS, <laughs> that will filter information for us and show us the things that we need to see at a given moment or want to see at a given moment, for example. Like they always say, if you want a new car, right? You're gonna see that car everywhere, of course, because your brain is looking for it. And being aware of these things, it doesn't mean, again, like Fabiola was saying, being aware of these, there shouldn't be any sort of judgment <laughs> at all because it's incredibly natural. Our brain is trying to not only just protect us, but also categorize our information in a way where we can be efficient. We don't need to be observing everything at every given point. I don't need to be observing the lamp in the corner, the book on the shelf, the little noise that's outside. All of these things would be incredibly overwhelming to our nervous system. We're efficient. We want to manage our knowledge, manage our inputs in a way that we can operate in the best way we can throughout the world. But at the same time, if we can help our brain sometimes and give us those perspective shifts that we can get from a coach, we can get from some new mental models, we can get from an advisor in a new space, we can get from an expert that we hire to work on a specific aspect of our business where maybe we don't really think like them because we haven't worked in that space or gotten that experience yet. We can learn from them and say, wow, okay, now I can not just leverage your knowledge, but I can leverage the way that you think and start to apply that into new spaces. It's really so much fun to dig into these. The other piece that I just wanted to share is I shared a little bit in the beginning, but I am after going on a little honeymoon, baby moon, <laughs> I'll be coming back and I'm going to be sharing a kind of more called innovate in public, the innovator OS kind of system that I'm working on. It's again, more of a architecture model. It's going to be served mainly through, through Notion. And on there, that's going to include a lot of things to have in your toolbox. So it's going to be things that you can have as resources that can help you design strategy, design systems to, to innovate in different areas of your life, especially for creator entrepreneurs. So venture design, life design combined, if you can think of it in that way. So this is a really great setup going into that because there is a framework mental model 
that will be the underlying OS for that. But it is very friendly to <laughs> including many of these as well, including Fabiola's, including Fabiola's knowledge, anybody's knowledge that wants to other experts in the field. So there'll be a lot of collaboration with that as well. But I am just laying that out there because if you subscribe to everydayinnovation.io, you'll get some updates on that as well as galaxy.everydayinnovation.io. I'm going to be releasing some beta things, some free things ahead of time just to get some feedback. So that's all going to be happening July and on. And there's going to be a whole series of content coming out mid-July and on walking through a framework that will be really cool for creator innovation. So if that's something that you're interested in, make sure that you're connected with me. And thank you so much, Fabi. Fabiola has a, if you're listening to this on the day of, Fabiola has a mid-year party. Come and join it. It's at 11.11 Pacific. If you missed it, just stay in touch with her. She's at Thrive and Align on Instagram and on Facebook and all the places, Twitter. So follow her and you'll get all the updates that are coming up in her sphere for coaching. And if you want to the energetic self-perception and work with her on that, you can probably book a session with her on that as well. Thank you so much, Fabiola. So Thank you everyone to listening to this out whenever you listen to this on whatever timeline. Hope that you are having a great week and we look forward to talking more about everyday innovation with you soon. Take care.